Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon, everyone, and um, welcome to our Sunday night Bible study and fellowship here on TalkShoe and on YouTube. Appreciate everybody being here tonight, and Lord willing, you'll get something out of what we're going to discuss tonight in, in First and Second Corinthians, and uh, we're going to try to finish up in First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, the chapter two is um, there's not a whole lot there. It's just Paul explaining about the forgiveness of the guy that got caught going with his daddy's mom, with his, with his stepmother, his mother, whatever. But he'll discuss that in chapter two. And make, when we, if we finish it pretty quick, we're going to do some bullet points out of um, on prophecy out of, the, out of the, some of the major prophets. And I'm going to show you all a little stuff about where those armies come from that it talks about. And it makes reference to them over and over again. And Deuteronomy and Isaiah, it makes a reference to them in the book of Joel. It's a special group, special bunch. And they come from the end of the earth. Just remember the four corners of the earth. And they something they, they to that. They, we know that and it disappeared at the end of the earth. Well, these armies are going to come from the end of the earth. That's what it says. And that it means the end of the earth. It's not, it's not no vague reference to some imaginary point on a ball. It's, it's at the end of the earth is where it's coming from. It means what it says. And anyways, they're supernatural, and we'll deal with that in a little while. Brother David, when you pray, when you open us in a word of prayer, be sure and pray for Brother Steve. He's in a whole lot of pain this afternoon. And... Um, and I'd appreciate if you'd remember him when you pray as well. Okay. Okay. Go ahead and a word of prayer, brother. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come tonight. And I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to study your word together as a group. And I pray that the Holy Spirit teach us all tonight. Lord, you said wherever two or three are gathered together in your name, there you are in our midst, and, and we welcome you, and we welcome the spirit of the living God to, by the blood of Jesus, to anoint Pastor Don to teach tonight, and to anoint us to have ears to hear and eyes to see what the Holy Spirit is saying through the word of God to us tonight, corporately and on an individual basis. I pray, Lord, that strongholds are torn down in our lives, in our thinking, in our thought processes, or in our emotions, and that the truth and the Lord Jesus Christ, the virtue of the Lord, come shining through and help us to become stalwart Christians and those with vision to do those things that you've placed in our heart to do. And tonight, Lord, I also lift up to you, Brother Steve, and I pray, Lord, that his pain vanquished tonight. I pray that that pain drift off into 
we're at zero, Lord. I pray that your healing hand touch his brow tonight and that he's delivered from this pain. And Lord Jesus, I thank you for all that your cross has accomplished, including deliverance from sickness and disease, from devils, from the power of darkness, from the kingdom of darkness. We've been transferred to the kingdom of light. And Lord, I thank you for all the blessings that are there. And I thank you that we have these opportunities to work for you here on earth, to accomplish for you and to suffer for you as you desire. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Amen. And we also pray for Brother Brian Marsh and Brittany over in Great Britain, Father, that you'd yes. continue to hedge around them. And I pray that you'd bring Brother Damien back into the fold. He's a teenager now, Lord, and all of his hormones are kicking in and everything. And I thank you that you've um, really made a, a sound Christian out of uh, Sister Brittany, and I, I thank God, I thank you, Father, that you brought her back to brother, to brother Brian. He's got permanent custody of her, and I pray that you had touched Damien's heart to, to to let him stick close to you, Father, and yes. all the trials that, that teenagers go through these days and what the world presents out there. I pray that you'd protect him from all that wickedness out there and the wicked companions that he can run into and the stuff in, in the, the lies that's taught in public schools and everything, I pray that you'd give him special protection. And Father, I pray that you would please give Brother Brian some relief from his suffering. I understand his, his pain stuff. And, and Father, he and I are like-minded individuals when it comes to that constant pain. And Father, my heart goes out to him and I pray that you'd give him some relief tomorrow, tonight, whenever he hears this, or right, whether he hears it or not, it's immaterial. I pray that your Holy Spirit work in his life and he continue on in the book like he's doing and staying closer and closer to you, Lord Jesus. And I ask all this in your precious name. Amen. 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 Okay. First Corinthians chapter two. Okay. Second Corinthians. I always say first Corinthians, yeah. David. Oh, yeah. brother, I Second okay. Corinthians chapter one, and um, mm -hmm. where we left off at, brother, you can start. Uh, verse 12. That'll work. Yeah. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. For we write none of these things unto you than what ye read of or acknowledge, and I trust ye shall acknowledge even to the end. As also ye have acknowledged us in part, that we are your rejoicing, even as ye also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. And in this confidence I was minded to come unto you, before that ye might have a second benefit and to pass by you into Macedonia and to come again out of Macedonia unto you and of you to be brought on my way toward Judea. When I therefore was thus minded, did I use lightness or the things that I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh that with me there should be yea, yea, and nay, nay, but as God is true, 
our word toward you was not yea and nay. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Absolutely. All the promises of God that you, you in this New Testament you can rest on. Brother Dave, while I'm talking right here, just a second, I want you to go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, uh, or maybe 1 Corinthians again. 1 Thessalonians mm -hmm. chapter 2, and uh, read verses, and, and I think it'll be verses 12 through 15. And the reason I'm wanting him to read this is I'll explain it right now. A lot of people, they think, well, oh, Paul, all Paul had was he, he preached and taught out of the Old Testament. That's true, folks. When he makes that statement in Romans about all things that were written aforetime were written for our learning, okay, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And a lot of people just take these letters from the Apostle Paul and just think that it's just his commentary on things. They don't take it as it, it they don't take them as being the pure word of God, the God breathed scripture like the Old Testament is. And that's just not right. That's not true. And I'm going to show you where Paul makes the statement that the very words that he is speaking is the word is the word of God. Paul makes that comment. So all these people that just try to tell you these are just commentaries and recommendations is not not as say uh first and second uh Corinthians is not as true and is and it as as grounded as God breathed as say the book of Ezekiel. Well, I'm going to show you where that's a, that's a lie. Paul makes the statement himself. So if you would, brother, um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses, I think, 12 through 15, I, I can tell when you start reading. Okay. Where he condemns the Jews, number one, but he'll also talk about the things that he's writing to them. Okay. Verse 12, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Pretty plain, isn't it, Brother yep. Dave? The word of Pretty God. Plain. Yep. That's right. What he wrote, what he told them and talked to them was the word of God. It was inspired, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write the things that he wrote, just like he, uh, Moses was inspired to write the things he wrote, he wrote, and Isaiah and Jeremiah, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, and the Apostles were as well. Continue on, and let's get a little bit of him condemning the Jews there, brother. Okay. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. You notice how he makes a separation there between the, his, their countrymen and the Jews? Yes. Go ahead. Who both killed the Lord Jesus 
and their own prophets and have persecuted us and they please not god and are contrary to all men absolutely and they are and always have been and always will be paul makes it plain right there they talking in john makes it plain in revelations chapter 2 9 and 3 9 that the bunch of that the bunch is trying to hang around there when john wrote that were still hanging around there and for future reference that those that say they are jews and are not but are the synagogue of satan that's the reason you need to understand the difference between the edomite jew and the judean jew and we went over that over the last seven years we went over that over and over and over again but you need to get that back to first corinthians one brother okay second corinthians okay second corinthians 1 verse 21 now he which establishes us with you in christ and hath anointed us is god who hath also sealed us and given us given the earnest of the spirit in our hearts there you go sealed he sealed us with the spirit of god that's what it says in ephesians chapter 5 Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby we are sealed, present tense, sealed until the day of redemption. The supernatural third person of the Trinity has sealed us until the day of redemption. And ain't nobody know uh, any, anything going to unseal us. We're sealed, period. Continue on, brother. Verse 23, moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul that to spare you I came not as yet unto Corinth, not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. Amen. Chapter two. Verse one. But I determined this with myself, that I would not come again to you in heaviness. For if I make you sorry, who is he then that maketh me glad? But the okay, same. Okay, what he's talking about coming to them in sorrow was the whole book of First Corinthians, where he lambasted them on their problems, over point by point, precept by precept. Talked to them about the ordinances. Talked to them about the sin that was running rampant in the in the in the congregation. And it and it still is to a certain degree, as he'll mention later on here in chapter two. And he and he talks and he wants to come to them and with a with a mild mood and a mild tone, but he's he's he may have to come to them with power and and, and using harsh words like he did before. <coughs> Excuse me, <coughs> in chapter one. And um, Paul got, he was known for that. They, that they talked bad about him behind his back saying his body presence was weak and his speech was contemptible. Now you're talking about one of the um, smartest individuals taught at the, feet, at the feet of Professor Gamaliel and was, had, had, had perfect Greek. He knew, the, he knew a bunch of different languages. That's the reason he said he spoke, spoke with more tongues than them all. He knew a bunch of different foreign languages and his Greek was, was beautiful Greek. It wasn't nothing wrong. Peter's Greeks kind of broke up, but not Paul's. Paul is, he's an educated man. 
all right? But they, they, they tried to find everywhere in the world to badmouth this, this evangelist with it was so powerful by the way he spoke the way the way the way that he spoke the power that he used in his speaking and he explained why he used the power is because they needed it and then he'll explain it a little bit more as we go on go ahead brother for if i make you sorry make you sorry who is he then that maketh me glad but the shame which is made sorry by me and I wrote this same unto you, lest when I came, I should have sorrow from them of whom I ought to rejoice, having confidence in you all, that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears, not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. No, absolutely. His rebuke, his rebuke of the Corinthians was not because of, of some innate mad streak he had, but his rebuke was because he loved them and cared for them. The book of Hebrews is plain, not even the book of Hebrews, but Proverbs is plain. It tells you that open rebuke is better than secret love. A brother that rebukes you openly is better than somebody that hates you and talks nice to you and makes you feel good. That's where the that's where the world's got everything cattywampus, and the churches are all backasses because they got it cattywampus. They think somebody's supposed to be everybody's got to be mild mannered and they don't raise their voice or they don't get look like they're hot under the collar. That's not the way it is. That's not the way the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit can be a small voice or he, you can be convicted by through an individual that is speaking with the Holy Spirit speaking through them with sharpness of speech. That's where the conviction comes from. How can you get a person get under conviction if their, their sin is not brought before their eyes and the importance of they shouldn't be doing it or their disobedience is not brought to their attention. How can they do something about it? That, that's, that's what's screwed up with the pulpits today. Open rebuke is better than secret love. And it says also in Proverbs that faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Always be careful when somebody's always pumping you up and, and sugarcoating everything. You better be careful. A, a good friend will call your hand when you're wrong. He won't keep it to himself. He'll call your hand out of love because open rebuke is better than secret love. Period. When you mess up, the Holy Father doesn't give you a present. He gives you a strap, okay? He works with, of course, you work. God works with individuals in different ways according to their personality and the way they are sometimes. But when it's just the plain word of God, there's no way to put it out there but straight across the belt, right across the plate, okay? He don't throw no curveball. 
And whether it's, it may sound mean to you and get your dander up, but the Spirit of God may be kicking your tail trying to tell you something is wrong. You need to get right. See, you, it, it, it's like the church has forgotten that the Spirit of God speaks through God's messengers. And I'm not talking about the messenger, the angelic messenger. I'm talking about the ones that are preachers. God holds them in high esteem. I'm, I'm just telling you what the book says. I'll show you what I'm talking about. One place where I'm talking about. Go to Romans uh, 10, Brother Dave, and we were talking okay. about it on the telephone. Go ahead and read the verse, what it says. After it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay. This is talking about called preachers that are sent by God. You don't go to school to be a preacher. A God called pastor. You're called. It's a calling. It's not something you go and educate yourself to do. And that's what you've got across this country and across the world is a bunch of educated people that say they want to be pastors. You don't want to be anything. You're called of God and you surrender to the calling. Just like Paul surrendered to his calling. And the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He calls very few wise and smart people. The most people he calls are look foolish to the world. But that's what God uses is the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. But I, I, if I, I wish I had a God meter, I make up something, a God meter, and could see the difference in just 30 years of the difference, and only God knows this, only God knows the answer, of the level of actual God-called preachers behind the pulpit and, and mama-called daddy-sent preachers that went to Bible school to learn to be a preacher. You don't learn to be a preacher. You can educate yourself to help you in delivery and stuff like that and, and gain knowledge through Bible study. But God calls his ministers and he puts his hand on them. They're anointed to preach the gospel and they have to be sent by God. They're sent out by God. And you don't hear none of this being talked about. I don't know about no YouTube tapes you can find that talks about this in the, this specific thing. I'm sure there are a few probably. Surely to goodness there's some preacher men out there still got the guts to talk about it. I remember when I was, I ran from the college. I didn't want to be a preacher. I wanted to hunt and fish and trout and commercial fish and do what I wanted to do. And just witness here and there, I wanted to ride the fence. See, I had plenty of my knowledge. And I, but I just wanted to use it when I wanted to use it. I didn't want to surrender all to God and let him use me like he wanted to use me and put me through he wanted what he wanted to put me through to chip away and, and do that perfecting process 
in my life. But you have to surrender first. Nobody runs around wanting to be such an apostle, pastor, teacher. I mean, they may say they do, but there's got to be a calling first. And that's one of the big problems. You don't go to school to get a calling from God. Just like you don't have to go to church to be saved, a church building. But you do have to hear the gospel. That's where the power comes from, through the Holy Spirit using the word of God. Like the Bible, like the book's fixing to tell you, they've got to be, it's got to be heard. So how is it going to be heard except God calls them and sends them? And that's what Dave's fixing to read to you. Go ahead, Brother Dave. Romans 10, verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent as it you is see written? That? You see that? See how, the, see how it goes in order right there? How shall, go ahead, finish it on out, Brother Dave. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Read that again. Read that whole section again. Okay. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not heard? Oh, excuse me, have not believed. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As Bingo. it is written. The answer is they don't. The answer is they're not preaching, not from God. The Holy Spirit is not anointing their preaching. There's no fruit out of what they're doing, what they're saying. And that's just absolutely, it seems like it's gone by the wayside in the last 30 years. With all the little different Bible schools here, a person goes to, now, I'm not saying a person can't go. You go you, it, nothing wrong with going to a Bible school. I went to one. But I've done been called preach a long time before I went to Bible school. But I was called a long time before I surrendered. And God, you're going to do, God's going to work. You're going to preach. If God's called you to preach, you're going to preach or you're going to be the most miserable individual walking on this earth. If God's laid his hand on you, take it from somebody that knows, or either God's going to let you go and do what you want to do, and then you're going to have to handle what takes place at the judgment seat of Christ. Because the gifts of calling to God without repentance, they don't go away. He doesn't call you and then not call you. There's no such thing as a called or a sent preacher that hadn't been sent, that gets unsent. I don't care if he goes to jail for 20 years. I don't care if he 
pulls a Jimmy Swagger and gets caught with a hooker. I don't care if he pulls a, a, a Jim Baker and gets caught up in all kind of floozies and, and steals money and gets thrown in jail. The calling never goes away. He, he doesn't rescind the calling. They're without repentance. They're always there. The calling's always there. The individual has to do the surrendering and obeying God and doing what he's supposed to do. Because they can't hear without a preacher. And they can't have a preacher except the preacher is sent. And it's God that does the sending. Not mama or daddy. Or you think you're going to make you get you a comfortable position and make a good living. That's out of the pits of hell and that's the condition of the churches today. People afraid they might upset somebody by telling them the, the gospel truth. People afraid somebody might not like them because they may say something that doesn't agree with somebody. Till that person gets to the point where he don't give a tinker's damn what anybody thinks about his preaching or teaching. And as long as he's following God and he's in that book, and he knows that book, it don't make a flying flip what anybody else thinks. We're, supposed, we're here to please the Father, not our earthly daddy or our earthly mama or our wife or girlfriend or our kids. We're here to please God. We have a job to do for God. And I gave you the other night, like I said, the prerequisites for finding out the will of God in your life. Remember the first part was surrendering your body, a living sacrifice. Presenting it a living sacrifice. Paul's begging the Romans. That's the way they find out the will of God. You don't just, hmm, I think I'll take the first thought that comes up in my mind. It's not, it, that's not the way it is, folks. Number one, the answer's written down. Number two, you've got to apply yourself to look at that answer that's written down. And number three, the Holy Spirit. Spirit will come in and use what's written down and let you know on the inside, like the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's why we have to discern the spirits, whether they be of God. I'd love to hear, I wish that YouTube was filled up with good Bible-believing preachers teaching about the call of God on a on young man or an old, it don't matter what age of Paul, I forget how old Paul was whenever he got called. The calling came on his life, but he had to surrender to that calling. 
because he was kicking against the pricks. As the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Why dost thou kick against the pricks? That's the, his conscience, the conviction of his conscience. Does God call people early in life? Yeah, absolutely. Jeremiah is a good example of that. Timothy was another good example of that. But not that's not the norm. That's not the norm. Because the first thing is a, is a, is a, a minister is not supposed to be a novice. In other words, has been through, has slid in life when never been through nothing. How can somebody minister to somebody else that's never been through nothing? How could I talk to somebody about a dead kid if I hadn't had one myself? How could I deal with it, talk to anybody on the same level about pain if I hadn't went through it myself? How can I talk to somebody on the level about spending time in jail and running head on with, if I hadn't done it myself? All I'd know is what I'd read in a book or something. I, my words would be like sounding brass and tingling cymbals. But if you've been through something, the other person on the other end is going through it. They under they they this guy has been through it himself because we can comfort those in any trouble, whereby we ourselves are comforted of God. Goes right back to the start of the chapter, chapter one. Nobody just decides that they're going to be a teacher or preacher, folks. Nobody does that. You just, it's just not biblical, period. I'm going to decide I'm going to be a Bible teacher, so I'm going to learn. It don't work that way. It never has, and it never will. And there's so few of them now. That's the reason for the condition amongst, Bible, amongst preachers and teachers today. Because there's nothing behind the words. They're empty words. They're words, yeah. But there's no spirit of God taking the words and doing anything with them. And unless the spirit of God does something with those words, it ain't, they're just not going to. Hey, look, it, it, it's just the guy's wasting his time. I'm, I'm speaking in reference to a God called preacher, teacher, or evangelist, okay? That's what I'm speaking. That's what I'm in re reference to right now, okay? I'm not, in re I'm not speaking in reference. I'm not speaking in context about all the gifts that you've been given by God to use. That's, that's not what I'm doing. I'm talking about preachers and teachers now, all right? That's the context of where I, what I'm talking everything I'm talking about. Because each individual that's called by God and saved and drawn to God and trust Christ, they have gifts that God's given them. There's many members in one body. And each member has a several or a different gift that they're supposed to use. And if they love God, they'll search it out and the Lord will show them what it is and they'll use it. 
But if they don't, they'll run around 90% of their life say, well, I don't know what God's got for me to do. Get out and start doing something and find out what God blesses and what he don't. It may be tough. It may not be. It may be just as simple as being a good supporting friend to hold. Remember when Moses held the rod up and his arms got weary? Didn't the Lord send somebody to help hold his arms up, Brother Dave? Yes. Joshua and Caleb, right? Yes. That's right. It could be just that. That, that, that may be God's calling for your life. It could be that simple. Or it could be going through hell, Columbia, and getting to a position where you could minister to anybody on any subject, on just practically any subject that comes up in life. It could be an abundance of knowledge that you're gifted with a fantastic abundance of knowledge and the ability to retain knowledge in the Holy Spirit. Use that. It could be that. It could be nothing but working a job and supporting a person that is doing what God's called them to do. Used to, Luke used to, church members understood that. And it's just as big a blessing as it is the one doing the behind the pulpit. And the gift received is the same. They that go out to battle get the spoils, and the ones that tarry by the stuff get the same amount of spoils. We went through it before over and over again. The ones that takes care of the ones doing the battling, they get their reward for taking care of them that's out there sweating and bleeding, studying, preaching, they get their reward for taking care of the ones doing it. Continue on, Brother Dave. Continue on, Brother Dave. Well, they have not... But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. Okay, but that's, I, okay. that's far enough, that's far enough okay. in that. Back to First Corinthians, brother. Mm-hmm. Verse six. Sufficient to such a man is I'll read verse five. But if any have caused grief, he hath not grieved me, but in part, that I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many. Okay. We'll go back to first Corinthians five and read what that punishment was, Brother Dave. Okay. So y'all can tie them together. First Corinthians five. 
You start reading verse one. Okay. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I verily, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present concerning him that hath so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together and by spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Back to Second Corinthians. Okay. Verse 7. So that contrarywise, ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such an one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. So undoubtedly, the guy's done got right, got raised, repented of his evil deed, and now Paul is telling them to forgive him and take him back in. Very simple. Go ahead, brother. Okay. Wherefore, I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him. For to this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Now, Paul wrote that admonition for them in 1 Corinthians 5 to test them, number one. One, because it was wrong, it's that the guy needed to be churched. Because it's running around like there wasn't no big deal going on. And he needed to be church. That's what it's called. And number two, to see if they'd be obedient in what he told them to do. And they were. They were obedient. That's what he's referring to now. Verse 10, brother. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes, forgave I it in the person of Christ. Now, That's, Brother Dave, let me ask you a question. How many that church that you go to, and I and I don't know except what you've told me about it, mm -hmm. but just using your knowledge of assemblies that you've been in, mm -hmm. think about an individual that was called in the act of doing what that guy did. What do you think would take place today? What do you think would happen today to that guy? Yeah, I uh, think the pastor might talk to him in private. That'd be about it. He might tell him not to come back. I don't know. I don't think it would be uh, done corporately, openly, in front of everyone. Wouldn't be done the way it's supposed to be done, would it? No. You know why, folks? You know one of the reasons why? Because that guy's liable to go out and sue him. Hmm. That's how screwed up the world is. 
He's not, he's liable to sue them for damages over some wicked sin like that. How far we've gotten away from biblical Christianity. In chapter six, Paul explains to them that they ought to be judging matters among themselves instead of taking them to court out in the world. In First Corinthians chapter six. I know some Anabaptist church in Ohio that still do that. That still that still apply and work it out like it's supposed to be done. Or they did at least 10 years ago. I don't know if they still do. I don't know of no churches around here to do that. Or I haven't heard of it. Not with all the wickedness going on and the, the lack of a true Bible-believing, born-again, Christ-loving people in the church that have no fruit to back up their profession. Got all kind of professors out there, but you got very few possessors. Bunch of professors, but very few possessors. Wouldn't you agree with that, Brother David? Yes, I would. Yes. Continue reading, Brother. Okay, verse 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I found not Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. Now, you see there, Paul, Paul makes another statement that I need to make a comment about. A, a door was opened to the Lord. Paul had enough spiritual sense and discernment to know when a door was actually opened of the Lord or whether it was just him wanting to do something or deciding to do something. Now, he, he went against the Lord. He was disobedient to the Lord. In one instance, he's a sinner saved by grace, just like you and I. But this stuff still happens. The, door, the Lord still opens doors for us, doors of opportunity. If, we, if we're praying and the prerequisite has been made, of presenting our body a living sacrifice to God to be able to use the way he wants to, the Holy Spirit will show us these doors that open. It may be the door open to speak to somebody about their soul. Then again, that door may be closed. See, we're getting, this is deep spirituality I'm talking about here, folks. But it's basic Christianity. Always, like when you go out on business, you always pray. You pray before you go that the Lord will open the doors to who you're going to talk to. Open the door and the Spirit of God will come in and use what's being said to lead somebody to Christ when they hear the gospel. The Lord, but that, that's a famous phrase that Paul uses about the, 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 the Lord opening a door. Hey, when the Lord opens it, it can't get shut. But 
you got so many people running around out there on mission boards. So I'm, oh, I'm deciding I'm going to be a missionary to so-and-so. And then they go to a mission board and then they go around on deputation and get up money. They've decided they're going to do it. And the Lord ain't open. They, they may get out there because of the carnality of the church. Oh, we got 10 missionaries. But is God behind those 10? Is God, is, are you seeing fruit from those 10? Spiritual fruit? It's a little more complicated, folks, than you might think. But you can tell when the Lord's open, when the Lord opens a door for you, you'll have resistance. Let me let me let me try to explain this. I'm gonna make a simple statement. When the Lord opens a door for you. That door's not going to shut. They can't no man shut it. But Satan will there'll be thoughts that come in your mind, imagine imaginations comes in your mind that will try to keep you from going through that door. Paul just warned about being ignorant of his devices. That's one of his devices. It's throwing up every reason in the world why you shouldn't go through that open door. Well, so that's why I'm, I'm giving you an example of what happened to me in the ministry. Every excuse in the world, every justification in the world not to do what I was supposed to do, which not only showed a lack of faith in God being able to do anything, nothing's impossible with God, but a lack of faith on my part and a lack of love for my Lord Jesus Christ by not being obedient. Therefore, it took my father's rod, the rod of God, to straighten me out, to get me to do what I was supposed to do. In the beginning, would have saved a lot of scars. And, and mental and and mental and spiritual anguish just by being obedient. But Satan will use his devices. You and him, your human nature, if you're worldly as hell, number one, you won't have no problem justifying yourself out of going through the open door because you're going to take the path of least resistance. And most of the time, that door that open door of the Lord is not the path of least resistance. <laughs> you may, you remember what Moses' excuse was? You think I'm making this stuff up. Let me give you a biblical example. You remember Moses made an excuse? You remember what that excuse was, David? Um, he said he couldn't speak properly. And he stuttered, yeah. You know, God wouldn't let him off. He said, okay, if you, you can't stutter, I'll get somebody else to do. And it, it's funny. Even after he said, I'll get Aaron to speak for you, then Moses winds up doing all the talking anyway. <laughs> but Moses got through the door. God wasn't going to let him off. Even the great Moses.
tried to use an excuse not to obey the calling from God to do what he was called to do. There's all kind of excuses that Satan will throw out there. That's why your obedience to this, but once you learn to take those steps of obedience by faith, they become easier and easier and easier. Didn't say it made it just like sliding on slick glass. But once you start operating in the mode of faith, the faith becomes strong. Your faith groweth, as Paul says, groweth more and more. That's a, faith is like a muscle. If it's not used, it gets atrophy. It's weak. It can't pick up nothing. Everybody's getting given the measure of faith for salvation. Certain measure, Paul says. But for to grow in faith, you have to apply it in your life. And then that muscle gets strong. I got a sermon that I preached on my graduation night. On faith is a muscle. Out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1. And verse 7. Or 6. 1 and 6, I think, yeah. But it's true for everybody, and it's just as fresh. If I preached it today, it'd be just as fresh and meaningful as it was then. Because it's applicable Today, as much as it ever has been. The world sets up everything. Satan, being the God of this world, tries to set up everything to take away your faith. To keep you from faith. To keep you from trusting God in things. You don't want me to go down the list. I've, I've been through it. People think I'm crazy when I go through some of it. And every bit of it's as biblically sound as John 3.16. Everybody wants to make sure their butt's covered before they take a step. Then they call it a step of faith. No, it ain't. There's no faith involved. Because faith is not seen. The evidence of things not seen, the subject of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Not having every one of the bases covered and then taking a well, I'm running out, I'm going out here by faith and having all the bases covered. Where no matter what goes wrong, you've got it covered. That ain't trust in God. Folks, that's part of that's the reason it's the Christian life is a battle and warfare. And hard, never meant to be simple and 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 smooth. Never meant to be. The just shall live by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. 
There's only a few things that's impossible with God, but that's one of them. I was talking with an individual today about this very subject. And it's faith. Look, you ain't going to please him without it. I don't care if you write a check for $100,000 a week and throw in the offering. I don't care if you run around and holler Jesus Christ to let that just be printed on your lips. Until faith is involved, God's not pleased with it. And without that faith, it's impossible to please God. Till those situations arise that you step out and you don't know where that foot's going to land. And you're trusting God that it's going to land where he wants it to land, no matter what the consequences then you don't know nothing about faith. You're destitute of it. Didn't say you wasn't saved. Like I said, every man's given the measure of faith for, for, for salvation. That's what the Bible says. The faith that Jesus Christ had that he had come upon the third day is the faith of, that, that saves you. It's the faith of Christ, for by grace, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See? Paul said, Roma, in Galatians 2.20, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Not by I live by my faith in the Son of God. I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What's the obstacles in your life that keep you from living by faith? I don't know what they are. I know the ones that hinder me. But only you can answer the questions on the ones that hinder you that you, that you should be battling and trying to do something about. But I can, I, can, I can promise you with all sincerity, the sooner you get started by applying, the easier it is the next time. The next time the situation arises, it's easier. And the next time it gets a little bit easier. I didn't say fun and games. Don't get me wrong. I didn't say fun and games. But it gets easier to be obedient by faith the more you use that muscle. And it pleases God. It pleases. He puts a smile on his face. The reason the Lord loves a cheerful giver that gives by faith, it pleases God. God loves the people. Faith. Oh, Paul had it. He didn't give a rip. He'd get his brains knocked out and have a near-death experience and get up and walk right back in the city where they tried to kill him. 
Less than a day earlier, they tried to get in there. He could turn around and walk right back in there. So you're not Apostle Paul. No, but I bet you I could come up with some things that, that would make a, a child laugh their head off of some stuff that you won't do by faith that a child would do. It ain't nothing to a child to jump off of a chair out into the air into his daddy's arms because he loves his daddy, trusts his daddy. Well, it's supposed to be between the same way between you and your daddy. You show more faith in getting in your vehicle and driving down the road, probably, as a lot of you do, than you do in your Christian life. Because you go out there expecting that car to crank and you get into it and you're all dressed up to go to work and you get and you turn that switch and you just know that car's going to crank. You trust it that much. Or leaning, or leaning up against the wall. You know that wall's going to hold you up. I believe that wall's going to hold me up. Yes, I do. You can believe it all day long, but until you reach out and put your arm down and just throw your weight against it, you haven't had any faith. See, you can have all kind of head faith you want, but until it's put into action, it's worthless. The reason James says faith without works is dead, being alone. The devils believe and tremble. And I said, as I said before, we're moving on now. Without, without it, without doing it, without faith, and without faith, it's impossible to please him. It reedifies, it, it, it re-energizes your love for him. And then the father, the father loves to see his children love him, just like you love for your kids to love on you. You love for your kids to love on you. Well, your father loves for you to love on him. And that's the way, that's what he wants you to do. And he'll do wonderful things, miraculous things sometimes. Because you show that. Because you show that faith that pleases him. And folks, everybody has problems with it. Today is into in today's world especially. And you ain't and, and you can get a, and you can turn off this program and go get on television or go to bed tonight and get up in the morning and forget everything that I've said. And you think and and if the spirit bring, don't bring it to your remembrance. And you'll try to justify every way in the world to get away from applying, from strengthening that muscle, but you will pay the price in the end. You will. I promise you, you will, because God says you will. And he don't lie. See, you, I'm going to say this and I'm going to shut my mouth and we're going to finish this chapter, Lord willing. You say you've got faith that God raised Christ from the dead. That's saving faith, okay? You can believe 
that a stone rolled away and a dead man came out after three days and ascended to heaven. You say you believe that. Then you're trusting your soul on that. But in other simple matters, when it comes to doing stuff without knowing the, the, the probabilities of the outcome being in your favor, you won't do it. You won't trust God to get you through. You cover all the bases. No, well, I'm just going to leave God a little bit to do because I've got all of it covered back here. Folks, that, that's about as much Christian as the rock, the rolling stones. There ain't nothing Christian about it. Nothing biblically true about it. And the more you display faith, the more the Lord will reward it. He even got one special prayer promise in the Bible that's conditioned upon that faith. Man, go into it and read it now. We're going on with this chapter. Go ahead, Brother David. Continue on, Brother David. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet Savior of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the Savior of death unto death and to the other the Savior of life unto life. And the ones that are lost, we're a, we're, we're a stink to them. You stink. You stink in the eyes of this world. But in the eyes of a born-again Bible-believing Christian, you're a sweet-smelling savor, especially unto God. Living by faith is a sweet-smell savor unto God. To the world, they think you're crazy because you don't follow their protocols and you don't abide by their little rules and regulations of this is the way your life's supposed to be lived. You do these things and you have no idea what the outcome's going to be. You're a fool. Now, Paul said we are fools for Christ's sake. Continue on, brother. To the one we are the savior of death unto death, and to the one the savior of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. So they were trying to corrupt the word of God even while the apostle Paul was preaching. There's a bunch running around trying to corrupt the word of God even then. Hymenaeus and Philetus was two of them. There were more of them. He talks about it in Romans 15. Mark them that caused divisions among you. There were a bunch of them he talked about in Philippians chapter 2 that corrupted the word of God. And there were even some of them brethren because he was trying tears over them because their God was their belly. 
Do I need to break that down and describe and give you a definition of what that means? And it broke Paul's heart. Continue on, brother. Oh, that's the end of that chapter. That's well, the end of the, the word of God. But in mm -hmm. sincere. As of God. In the sight of God, speak we in Christ. Now, folks, that's a mouthful. That last 30, 40, 45 minutes, that was a mouthful. And that's a lot to think about. That's a lot to pray about. That's a lot to work on for all of us. But that's the milk of the word. That's 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 the simplicity of Christ. That's the simplicity it's supposed to be of the Christian life. The just shall live by faith. Even when God promises you he's going to reward you for it, you won't do it. I ain't never been able to understand that. I, I, I never, I still can't understand it other than that it's just, that their heart's just not the Lord, their heart's not in the Lord's hands. Or they just don't, Christ is not sitting on the throne in their heart. You know, I may have told y'all this before. I'll tell you again. I'll tell you something I do. It's, it's my own little thing, you know, I do it. But I visualize a heart a throne inside my body in my imagine in my mind and i'm always checking that throne to see who's sitting on that throne in my mind and i try to run through a list and i know that if this list don't get no check marks i know that throne that my big butt sitting in it instead of jesus christ This is just something I do. I know when he's sitting there and when he's not. That's that's just some little something I do. I found that it worked a long, long time ago. And it didn't, and for some reason, for my, it works for me. For some reason, the Lord's always kept Satan away from it. And most of all, there is no deception there. It's like the Lord's got that little piece cut off for me. You know, just my, I'm just telling y'all, this is one of my, this is part of my testimony. It's just part of mine and the Lord's relationship. Whether he's out, where he's sitting on that little throne in my in in the mid part of my body or not, my throne room in my heart. Because I know if I'm if, if I'm doing what I can 
and trying to do what I'm supposed to do. He's there. I'm as long as, as long as I'm continuing on in the faith, trying to please him. I know the things that please his God. Some of y'all ought to do a ref, or do your uh, a little word search and just find out what pleases God. Then go yourself over and write you a checklist. Father, take these things that's been spoken tonight and Holy Spirit of God, work in the hearts that need working in, Father, with that still small voice. May the Spirit of God touch the ones that need touching, Father. You know the areas of any of our lives. Yes. They're lacking, Father. And I'm, I'll be the first one at the altar saying I lack all the time and I have to get get knocked down and get back up, Father. But I thank you so much for your mercy and grace. And thank you for this book to keep me straightened out. And thank you for the Holy Spirit for conviction. Yes. May it never get to the point, Holy Father, to where you go out of the room and leave me to my own devices. Because I'll be through, Father. I'll be through. May we always put our trust in you and trust in this book. And may we, we get a bent in our mind toward obedience. Toward you, toward faith, toward you, so we can please you. So you can have a reason to say, this is my son. Look what he did today. When they meet in that congregation, that heavenly congregation. Because we're all going to be, Lord, you, you said we're all going to be judged individually. So I'm sure you probably talk about us individually. I don't know how it works. My little pea brain finite mind cannot comprehend that. But I do know this. You say we're seated with you in heavenly places. We're in two places at the same time. So why couldn't, why don't, wouldn't you talk about us individually? But I love you, Father. I fail you and I fall short all the time, Lord. I just want to grow and grow and my faith to, to grow exceedingly in you. And that's what I pray for each one of the ones under the sound of my voice, that their faith grow exceedingly and their love for you grow exceedingly beyond measure. So that they would stand feet miles ahead of the ones out there that don't love you, Lord. I pray that you'd give them special blessings to nudge them on, a, a special nudge here and a nudge there. The oper open the doors of opportunity. Help them to recognize those doors of opportunity. And may the Spirit of God give that little nudge to push them over the edge to increase the muscle of that faith, that must faith muscle. To get it stronger.
like you did those in Hebrews 11. That you gave them that nudge for their faith to grow. Do the same for us. And Father, whatever you decide to do with us, we know that you work in us for your will and good pleasure. And we fear you, Lord God. We fear that judgment because we know it's not going to be a, uh, we're not going to be a bunch of happy campers. We don't get a lot of things straightened up in our life. But we're supposed to work that salvation out. You say in your book with fear and trembling, because it's you that works in us, God, both the will and to do of your good pleasure. And please forbid that we would be a stumbling block that would get in the way. Help us be recipient to your word, and may we grow in grace and knowledge and application of this word and of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. Conduct information for Don Spears Ministries. Telephone number is 334-397-2333. The email is respect to the Lord at yahoo.com. And you can go to PayPal and you can enter respect to the Lord at yahoo.com. That acts as Pastor Don's PayPal account as well. And when you do that, you'll see his name come up, Don Spears Ministries. And you can also mail cards and letters and offerings or requests, teachings, requests, questions. Prayer requests to Pastor Don's home address at 3155 Louisville Street, apartment D1, Kyle, Alabama, zip code 36017, 36017. Don Spears Ministries Sermon Times are Friday and Sunday night on Talk Show Live and it's simultaneously recorded to YouTube. The time is 6 Central or 7 p.m. Eastern. And when you want to come live to TalkShoe, just go to www.talkshoe.com forward slash studio forward slash 4971345. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks everyone for listening. And if you if you want to hang around a little bit longer, we'll do a few bullet points out of us. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.